0: Well good morning everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Whether you are here and I see you or whether you're online, you see me but I can't see you. However you are here, however you are joining us, why ever, however, maybe you're not even sure why you're here. You just feel like you need to be here no matter what it is, no matter why or how. We're glad you're here and we want you to know that this is a safe place for you, no matter where you are in your journey with faith with God, even if you're not sure if you have a journey, uh, a faith in God yet, you're not sure where you're at, you're not sure what you believe about that yet. No matter where you are, this is a safe place. So I want to just tag off of what Tanya said earlier, because in the life of our church, this is the first time that we've ever done this. We're doing Love Week. Now understand that this is not something that we're doing that we don't normally do and we needed to felt like we needed to do this. We do this all the time as a church. Like we do this all the time. We are out in the community. We are involved in the community. There's things going on all the time pretty much every week that people sometimes are aware of, sometimes they're not aware of where we are loving on people serving people sacrificing generosity to people whatever the case is we're doing this all the time however september 8th through 11th is love week and we're asking for everybody who is a part of northridge church to be all hands on deck like for one big week we're going to just kind of blitz the community with god's love all right? So this is kind of what we normally do, but we're just going to do it really intense like in several days. All right? It's kind of like we here we go. And and so here's why and obviously Northridge Fest is kind of culminates at Rip Park. We're going to have a party, it's going to be a blast. We're going to be it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing week because God's love is going to flow through us, which is what he desires. But the reason I bring that up is because we want to invite you. We need you to be involved in that because you are the church. You understand that Northridge Church, you are not called to be a church. You're called to be the church. God's hands and feet. Jesus' hands and feet to the community. And so I just want to encourage you on the back over there. I want Pastor Nick to be overwhelmed Right? Pastor Nick, I want you to say we need 10 more people back there next time we do this to sign up because I couldn't get everybody you know, on the list fast enough. They were in the line. Like, I want you to pummel him with your questions and signing up and doing all that kind of stuff, that's why the sheets are there. But if you are not sure like how you're going to do this, what your family's going to do, you have to talk to your wife, to your husband, you got to figure this all out, and whatever, great. Do that, And then you can sign up online on our website, Northridgechurch,wisconsin.org. Yes, it's the longest one ever created in the history of URLs. All right? Northridgechurchwisconsin.org, go there and there's an electronic sign up as well. And by the way, uh, I just was talking to Pastor Nick this morning, so this is like real time. Um, We are getting together also another family project that we're going to do during Love Week. And more than likely, that project is going to center around what's going on in Afghanistan okay? So we're going to get kids involved in that, maybe drawing and making some things. We're going to be packing some things. We're, we're working out the details. We don't know if we can do this yet, but Pastor Nick is working on it, all right? Pastor Nick, thank you for doing that. Uh, so just kind of stay posted, but here's the thing that I'm asking you to do. Sign up, get involved, jump in to Love Week. And to Northridge Fest, we need all hands on deck like that whole week, right? For Love Week and Northridge Fest, not one or the other, but both. So if you can do that, that would be awesome. We are going to love, love, love our community with God's love. Amen? All right. Well, we are in a series that we've been in all summer called Different for a Change. We've been talking about 12 phrases that my dad wrote down a few months before he passed away. 12 phrases that if you would lean into them, if you would learn them, if you would live by them, will change your life and will change the lives of the people around you. And today's phrase is really important. But I'll be honest, as soon as you hear it, you're going to want nothing to do with it. It's the most, one of the most important things that we can ever do in our life and in our relationships. It's one of the most important things we'll ever have to do in our life. But we have such a hard time doing it because it deals with deep, deep, deep emotions and pain. So the phrase that we're going to lean into today... Before I give this to you, have you noticed that it's a little heavy today? We'll get to that later. But it's okay because sometimes it needs to be heavy so we remember all the light stuff. Okay? So just know that today is not going to be easy to take and that's okay. Today's phrase is harbor less, forgive more. Today deals with pain on a level that maybe you have never even dealt with yet. Today we're talking about forgiveness. Today we're talking about This this aspect of relationships that is one of the most important aspects of any relationship. You cannot have a relationship with another person, another human being. And to be honest, you can't have a relationship with God without forgiveness. Forgiveness is absolutely necessary. So the question that I have for you today is this. Why do we have such a hard time with forgiveness? Why do we have such a hard time with accepting forgiveness? And why do we have such a hard time with offering forgiveness? Why do we get, stay away from it? Well, today here's what I want to do. I want to give you four thoughts, four reasons why I think we avoid, we run away from forgiveness. Specifically when it's people who hurt us in life. My guess is if you are here, you have had somebody or a few people or a group of people hurt you in your life. Say something, do something that has caused pain in your life or to you. Well, today we're going to talk about why do we have such a hard time forgiving those people. All right, number one. First reason why we tend to run from forgiveness rather than run to forgiveness is because we want to punish the one who hurt us, right? That's true. That's true, isn't it? Whenever I think of somebody who did something wrong to me or whenever I see somebody who does something wrong to another person, I don't know about you, but I get angry. I get frustrated. I am ready to go after That person, right? I want revenge. I want want to go after them. But the problem is that if we try to use our emotions and and hold back forgiveness from them in order to punish them, what we're doing is we're not punishing them. You realize what we're doing? We're punishing ourselves. It's kind of like this cartoon that I found. In this cartoon, we have one person that says, I've decided to forgive you and stop ignoring you. And the other person says, you were ignoring me? (laughs) Yeah. Case in point. Sometimes we ignore somebody. Sometimes we cut them off. Sometimes we withhold blessing. We withhold kindness. We withhold all those things and we harbor anger and bitterness and resentment. We harbor that. We hold it in here and we say we are punishing them when in reality they've moved on. They couldn't care less. And you're hurting yourself. In fact, you're a lot, they're still hurting you, even after they stopped hurting you. And so forgiveness is one of those things where we want to punish and so we run from it because we want to punish them, and we think we can by treating them badly or withholding blessing from them. But I want to tell you that the Bible tells us a little bit different way. The Apostle Paul writes about our enemies and he explains how we can actually punish them. Did you know that the Bible says you can punish people who you're supposed to forgive? You can punish them, but this is how you do it. You want to hear how he says you do it? He writes this in Romans 12:20. He's actually quoting the Old Testament. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty... Give them something to drink. In doing this, catch this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. In other words, God is saying, do you want, you want to do what you're supposed to do for these people that hurt you? Be really, really kind to them. Love them. Show them what it looks like. What they should have done for you, you do that for them. And in so doing, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Here's what I find a lot of people do. They try to hurt the other person and in the process they only hurt themselves and their children and their spouse and everybody else around them and they literally destroy their life hating another person. And what God says is no. You love them and by doing that you will heap shame upon them but it's not to do that. It's because that's what I'm calling you to do and it will free you from the pain. I would just encourage you that if you want to be free from the pain, don't play the game. If you want to be free from the pain, don't play the game. I don't know if you guys have known this, parents in the room, uh, but in my household, uh, sometimes our siblings like to pick on each other. I'm sure that none of you anywhere have experienced this, but in my household, our siblings, they like to pick on each other. They push and they prod and they kind of do this. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but it tends to be usually, not all the time, but it usually tends to be the older ones kind of pick on the younger ones. They poke, they prod, they throw things, they make noises, and they're just trying to get them going. Now, sometimes it's the younger ones to the older ones. It turns the other way around, for sure. The the coin gets flipped from time to time. But a lot of times it's the older ones to the younger ones. And you know what happens? I don't know about you, maybe this is probably only our household. I'm sure you've never seen this happen. But this is what happens in our household. It finally gets to the point where one of the siblings jumps out and gets so angry that they jump up and they start chasing the older sibling so that they can hurt them. And you know what the older sibling usually is doing? Laughing. I'm sure none of you have ever seen this. Right? This is just a dynamic in the Bickle household. right? And what I have told the other siblings who got picked on, who jumped up and tried to get revenge, and they're laughing, and so what happens to them? They're getting more and more and more and more angry. They're getting more and more worked up. They're getting more and more frustrated and bitter and just everything else. And you know what I tell them? I say, don't play the game. Stop doing you know that he you know that she just did that because you were doing that they wanted to see you get messed up and you played their game here's what I would suggest to all of us here today for the people that hurt you and brought hatred and bitterness and resentment in you I would simply say don't play their game don't play their game. You're only hurting yourself. All right, reason number two, why we tend not to forgive. We don't want to forgive. We don't like to forgive. Reason number two is this. We want to protect ourselves from being hurt again. Now, this is totally understandable, right? This is actually the side of pain where we sometimes get it mixed up, right? Because we kind of get, get it in our heads. Let's say, for example, you're cooking, at the stove, you're in the kitchen, you're cooking, and some of you are like, I would never be caught cooking. <laughs> That's okay. Just go with me here, right? Let's say that you're cooking. You're at the stove, you're in the kitchen, you're cooking, and you do something and you accidentally touch the stovetop and you burn your hand, right? Now, what is going to happen? Well, that pain reminds you, I need to not do that again, Right? Pain is a good thing from that standpoint. It tells us when something is wrong, when something is off, when something is not right. When we didn't do something quite correctly or when something is just amiss in our life. Pain lets us know that. Um, And so here's, here's my thought though. What we could do is pain could lead us to a healthy place or pain could lead us to an unhealthy place. So, for example, the healthy place is if you're cooking and you put, you know, you accidentally touch the stove and you burn your hand. What does that tell you? It tells you you simply don't put your hand on the stove again. Right? Like, that's that's pretty obvious. But here, can I tell you what I see a lot of people do when pain enters enters their life? In this illustration, some people just stop cooking altogether. They just they won't let pain enter in at all. And so not only do they just not change, all all you need to do is put up barriers and boundaries and change how you cook. God doesn't want you to just stop cooking. See, what a lot of people do is they are hurt by a person or a group, and God wants us to do a couple of healthy things. For example, you might need to distance yourself from that person. Some of you, this is your family member, and you feel bad because it's your family. If they're hurting you, if they, if they are continuing to hurt you even to this day, I'm just going to give you some very strong advice. You need to distance yourself from that person. Don't go back to the stovetop. Don't put your hand on the stove again. But I would also say a lot of people go to the unhealthy place of they never have a deep, meaningful relationship ever again in their life because they're trying to protect themselves from the pain. And God says, no, we just need to change how you interact with that one person or that one group. See, people who have been hurt by a person, they sometimes never open up to any other people. Sometimes people who were hurt by a group Over here, they will never open up to a group over here because this group hurt them. Some people I know who have been hurt by a church, they will never go to church again because they were hurt by this church, by some church in their past. You see, sometimes we protect ourselves, we try to protect ourselves with an unhealthy, we isolate from everything that is good. And this is, of course, something that is hard. And so the only way we can do this is through God's strength. In fact, Philippians 4.13, it's one of the most helpful, one of the most encouraging verses ever in the Bible. And it says this, it says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't it amazing that we already sang a song that declared that this morning? And no, I don't tell them what songs to do on a Sunday. That is prayed over. The Holy Spirit does that work and places the right songs that need to be. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can even forgive that person who hurt me deeply long ago. And by the way, this whole bunkering and, and, and harboring and, and protecting our emotions. Can I just tell you, this is going to be a little, uh, we're not going to like to hear this, but men in the room, I'm talking to you for a moment. Do you realize that men in the room, you are highly, highly, highly susceptible to this problem of harboring, stuffing, hiding your emotions. You're highly in danger of this. In fact, there's a statistic out there that tells us this is very clear. Did you know that men are three and a half to four times more likely to die by suicide than women? We don't talk about that. And you, This is not the only reason, but can I tell you one reason why? Again, it's not the only one, but it's one. One reason is because men are stuffing and hiding their emotion. And you know why? Because in our culture, it is culturally and socially looked down upon and looked on as weak if we show emotion. Now, please understand for a second. I am not suggesting, men, that we go around for the rest of you know, our lives crying every day. All right? Please don't do that. I will be annoyed. No, no, no. I'm 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 not joking. I will be annoyed. I'm a typical guy. I do not want to sit around and be like, oh, bring it in, man, all the time. Are there times when, men, we need to do that and you need to let the tears flow and be open and honest? Oh, yes. And some of you have never done it. Some of you have never done it. And you need to. But I'm not saying that we just need to be like, let's get in touch with our, you know, emotional side and just, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that we need, whether we're a man, whether we're a woman, and by the way, just so we know, that's generalities, right? I'm not saying all men are like that. I'm not saying all women are not like that. But here's what we need. Can I be really honest with you? We need more people men included, to be more present, more engaged, more real, more transparent, so that we know who's really there, what's really going on, because there's a lot of men acting like they've got it all together, but they don't. Sometimes forgiveness is the most important thing that we can receive or offer, but it starts with us being real. And open with our emotions all right number three why do we run from forgiveness well, another reason is because we want justice for the one who wronged us I don't know about you but when I see something wrong I want justice I'm sure you're like that too I hope you are because that's actually God-given We should want, we should love justice because God is both perfectly just and perfectly loving. But here's the thing. It's just like the first point. This is really closely tied to the first point. We want to punish the other person. We want justice for the other person. But here's a quote from Nelson Mandela. I shared this once last year in the midst of the pandemic because we were feeling a lot of this. Nelson Mandela once said this. He said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Wow, that's good. Right? That's what we do. We hold anger and bitterness and resentment and we're like, man, I'm getting them good. No, you're not. You're getting yourself. It's like you threw yourself in prison. It's like you put yourself in the death penalty. The poison's killing you. It's not hurting them. Resentment is like drinking poison and saying, I'm going to hurt that person. No, you're not. You're just hurting yourself and your family. All right, number four. That was a quick one, wasn't it? See, I can be brief at times. This is a big one. The fourth reason we don't like to offer forgiveness, and we don't tend to say this one out loud, is because forgiveness feels like we are excusing the behavior. It feels like we're giving the person a free pass. It feels like we're saying, what you did to me, that, that pain, that hurt that you inflicted on me, I'm forgiving you, so I'm saying it's okay that you did that. That it couldn't be further from the truth. That's not what Forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not really for them, it's for you. It frees you from the pain. It frees you from the burden. In fact, let me give you a story that uh, explains this, illustrates this. So last year I shared a story out of a, a books on paradoxes in the Bible. Paradoxes are things that, you know, if you look at it this way, it seems to contradict this. It seems like if you want this, then you would do this, but the Bible says, nope, do this. It's kind of like your enemies. If you want to heap burning coals on their head, treat them really, really well. Paradox doesn't seem right because they're my enemy. I would treat my friends well. I would treat those who I love well, but my enemies, I need to make sure that I, you know, I'm mean to them. They're my enemy paradoxes so he writes a book called paradoxes this guy's name is cameron taylor and in the paradox of forgiveness chapter or section of the book cameron taylor writes and he explains that when he was a child he was sexually abused by a relative by a family member and when he shares that he talks about the pain and the bitterness and the the resentment and the anger that he felt for years and years and years. And he talks about how it took him such a long time to forgive that relative that hurt him in a very intense, personal, awful way. But he said eventually, with God's help, with God's grace, he was able to forgive this other relative. But then he said after he forgave this relative and he clearly you know, felt that, that freedom and that release, um, he went to his mom and he had a conversation with his mother. And he said, you know, I, I've just wondered, have you ever, you know, it was probably a very deep moment, but he went to his mom and he said, have you ever been able to forgive that relative that, that hurt me, your son, so deeply? And she said, nope, I can't forgive him. I just, I can't do it. And Cameron Taylor kind of walked away from that. And and I I can't remember in the book if he shares whether or not he kind of shared with his mom how, you know, it would free her up and all that stuff. But anyway, they had the conversation. Five years later, after Cameron Taylor had had that conversation with his mother, five years later, his mom calls him. Calls Cameron Taylor. And the mom says, Cameron, I want you to know that I was just able to forgive That relative that hurt you, I just forgave him. And then she said, "But Cameron, I want to tell you something else really powerful that just happened." She said, "After I forgave this relative, God prompted me to go for a run." And uh, what she says in the book is that the mother told Cameron, "You know, she's like, you understand, Cameron, you know this. I'm not a runner." I hate running. I don't run. I don't run normally. This is not what I normally do. I don't run. I don't do this. And, and she said, but I knew God wanted me. God told me. God prompted me to run. And so I went out and I started running. And she said it was amazing what God did while I ran. She said, while I was running, I felt this incredibly heavy weight, this burden Lift off of me I was able to run easier I was able to breathe easier she said from that, that day from that run she felt different physically she felt different spiritually she felt different emotionally God had given her freedom God had healed her in a way that she could not heal herself but it started With forgiveness we need to face our feelings we need to face our emotions it's important that we are real with what has happened to us what is happening to us and what we want God to bring into our existence in the future So I brought a stool here today. Some of you thought maybe I was going to do an interview, didn't you? But I brought this stool. I think I'm going to need it. but because I want to have a living room chat with you today. I hope you don't hear this as a pastor preaching to you. Or me trying to make a good point. This is if I was sitting with you one-on-one in a living room, This is what I would want you to know today. These last few months have been the hardest of my life. It's important to do what I just preached about to be real, so I need to be real these last few months have been the worst year of my life it's not even close most of you know that in May my dad passed from pancreatic cancer and left a pretty huge gaping hole in my life in the life of my family in the life of our church. A lot of lives. And then just, most of you probably already know, some of you may not even fully realize or know this yet, but on Tuesday, one of my best friends, Jenny Balk, died suddenly and unexpectedly. In her sleep. I never thought that I'd be standing on the front porch hearing that news. I just want to say that Jenny was the epitome of what we talk about here at Northridge Church, the 167. We talk about how there's 168 hours in every week and how we hope that you spend at least an hour each week worshiping together but that the rest of those hours, 167 hours you spend giving yourself away, just sacrificing for other people. Let me tell you, Jenny just did that all the time. If you walk into her house, you know she didn't take care of that (laughs) because she was taking care of her family. She was taking care of her church. She was taking care of her schools. She was taking care of her kids. She was taking care of our community. She was sacrificing every single minute of every single day. Uh, I don't know if you realize the Northridge Fast logo. Almost every logo that you see, Jenny designed those. She was right in the middle of redesigning our logo for our church. I have no idea what we're going to do about that. But that's nothing Compared to the fact that she sacrificed her life all the time to lift others up. So, this is really important, guys. Because we tend to pansy around, we tend to go through life as if every day is going to be normal. We tend to put off the things that need to happen like years ago because we think we have time. Time is short. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. It never will be. But I wanted to share just two thoughts with you The first one, and I hope this doesn't offend you, but maybe it will, and then a couple years from now you realize that it was what you needed to hear. Get your relationships in order. Why are you waiting? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. The pain that you will feel if it's not done is way worse than the pain of what you have to go through to say what you need to say, to do what you need to do. Jenny loved deeply and loved well. She took care of the people in her life and she took care of the people she didn't even know. How are you loving? How deeply are you loving? People are just far too important, too valuable for us to just go through life acting like we can just make it a normal day. And then the second thing is this. We talked all about forgiveness here today. You know, you realize what Jesus did. Jesus offered every one of us forgiveness before we ever got right. Romans says, while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemy because of sin, he died for us. By the way, God knew. Susanna, you asked, we asked the questions why. I've been asking why all week. It's okay. But I know that God knew this was coming. And you know what I know? God got Jenny right with him before she left. The only greatest thing about this week is that right now, Jenny is with Jesus. It hurts so bad on this side. But I'm thankful that she is experiencing eternity with God. In his very presence, in the fullness of his presence. And so what I would say to you is just like Jenny, just like all of us know we need to make sure you're right with Jesus. He died on the cross for you so that your sins could be gone and could be forgiven. He offered forgiveness to you before you ever even realized you needed it. Again, if I was sitting in the living room, I would tell you the same things. If we were just sitting talking, I would say the same things. Our motto here at Northridge Church is to live full of life. Jenny did that. you doing that what do you need to do what do you need to say what do you need to release god loves you it's okay to hurt it's just not okay to stuff don't push it down I had a way out today. I didn't have to preach today. But I knew I needed to because if I was going to be who I need to be, I needed to be real. I haven't been the best pastor the last few months. And it's because I've been in quite a fair amount of pain. But I want you to know two things. I love you. I do. I love you. And God loves you. And the same way he watched over Jenny, he will watch over you. So what do you need to do today? What do you need to do? Would you pray with me? Oh Jesus We need you We need your salvation, we need your forgiveness We need your comfort today We need peace It is so hard when we have to say goodbye here on earth to somebody that means so much. But God, we know that you love us. You died for us. You gave your life for us. And so Lord, may you remind us what we need to do today to live for today. And we thank you that my dad and Jenny and other people who have given their lives to you, Jesus, who have gone on before us, that they are spending eternity with you free of tears, free of pain, free of sorrow, And grief, they are with you. And we look forward to those of us who have given our life to you, Jesus. And by the way, those, anybody who is not, I pray that they would do that, that they would give their life to you and accept you. But for those of us that have, we look forward to seeing you. We look forward to seeing those we love who have gone before us. Help us to take care of our relationships. receive and to offer forgiveness as deeply as we can. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name, Jesus.